I'm Betsy Reed, and this is The Discomfort Practice, where I talk to creatives, activists, leaders, scientists, and a host of others about discomfort, about the role it's played in their lives, who they are and what they do in the world, and the value of discomfort in helping us move forward as a society. Discomfort is just the edge of your comfort zone, and on the other side are superpowers. So settle yourself in, and let's get uncomfortable. Well, it's been a minute since I've recorded a solo episode, so this is actually the first one I've done in a couple of months thinking about it. And it's because, well, two things. A few of you have let me know that my solo episodes are actually your favorites, and I am honored and a little bit intimidated by that. So I'm recording them, kind of for you, knowing that you enjoy them. But it's also partly because it's my own discomfort practice. It's something I'm not necessarily comfortable doing, which is kind of the point of this whole podcast, right? Going into the discomfort and learning from it. And I've gotten more comfortable with it, so that's the good news. But I have learned that if there's something that's on my mind that I really feel compelled to talk about, it's probably on a lot of other people's minds too, because that's how we work in this community that we belong to of being human. Because even if we don't consciously understand that we are connected, we are. And we create collective energy. So that's why we go through a lot of things at the same time. Or why when you spend a lot of time with somebody like your partner or your friends, you kind of start to notice patterns that you go through similar things at the same time, or maybe you feel the energy of something similarly. And that's because we all create certain energy together. We go through things collectively. So what's been coming up for me, and I hope this lands for a few of you listening, is trust. Because if you can't trust, life is really hard. Because the opposite of trust, if you think about it, is fear. And living life in fear is hard on all sorts of fronts. It does a lot to our biology. It shuts down our brains. It creates a heightened sense of insecurity. It flips us into living in fight or flight. It's just not a good place to be. But what I know, because I follow such things, is that trust is at an all-time low. So every year I read this thing called the Edelman Trust Barometer. It's put out by this big international communications agency called Edelman. And for, well, I'd say four years now, since at least 2018, the top trend that they've been tracking is the decline in public trust in institutions like government, the Supreme Court, democracy in general. So in their 2021 report, oh no, it's 2022, I guess, because I've got it here in front of me. Point number six, if you want to look this up, and I'll include it in the show notes, is there's a collapse of trust in democracies. So if you're listening to this and you live in the United States or Europe or Australia or any other very functioning democracy, controversial statement there, (laughs) you probably are feeling way way less inclined to trust your democracy that you live in than you were taught to. Because what has defined our age, our era, is that we're taught that we could trust our government. We're taught that we could trust in these structures that allow us to live our lives freely, to move around freely, etc. And that was something that came into place, this stability in this peaceful age we've had since World War II. So our grandparents or our great-grandparents fought for this and taught us that this was something we could trust. And our parents If your parents are boomers like mine, they have had such a lovely life (laughs) as a result of this. 
they feel like they could trust things. But now things like we know 43% of the people polled in the U.S. don't trust their democracy. That's like 46 points in Germany. That's massive. And so the number one point in the Edelman Trust Barometer is that distrust is now society's default emotion. And this is a big one to focus on. Because nearly six of the ten people they polled said their default tendency is to distrust something until they see evidence it's trustworthy. And another 64% said it's now to a point where people cannot have constructive and civil debates about issues they disagree on. So the headline there is, when distrust is the default, we lack the ability to debate or collaborate. And that's dangerous. That obviously feels very scary. And then we've had this COVID context where a lot of us have been more isolated than usual. We haven't been able to travel, to interact with the world. The world hasn't come to us as much as it has in the past. And we've been close to home, quite literally. We've probably been spending time either by ourselves or just with those related to us or who we are closest to naturally. And that's probably redefined our comfort zones, those we trust, what we trust, because everything's gotten very, very small, right? So it sounds like, I don't know, just kind of this hypothetical thing. But when you plug that into reality, what does that mean? Because when we aren't feeling safe, we're wired to create security. This is a very primal thing about human beings. We evolved to keep ourselves safe from threats, from people who were different from us because they were probably going to threaten us or capture us. Or, you know, it was based on survival. So we create security. And now in our modern institutions, in our modern ways, we still do that in quite primal ways, but we use our institutions very cleverly. So we shut borders. We don't allow refugees in. We avoid people who look different from us. We react in a certain way to people of certain skin colors when we see them on the street after dark. Like, this is actually how we function. And it's something that we need to become conscious of because with this lack of trust that's happening around us and with ourselves probably, comes a real danger of othering people, of reacting out of fear, of withdrawing and not collaborating and not building communities, and then of you know, making that into policy, the thing, the things we vote for. If you think about the largest group of people to vote for Marianne Le Pen, who is the far right candidate in France, and is frankly kind of a fascist. It was young people, so many young people voted for her. What is going on? Because, you know, the sort of received wisdom is the young people these days are so much more open minded, etc. But actually, they voted for a far right candidate. There are a lot of people, young people voting for far right candidates because it makes them feel safe. Or listening to news sources that, frankly, make up facts because those, quote, facts make us feel safe. So I want to propose that we learn to trust ourselves, but we build an ability to trust ourselves because in times of great tribulation and unsafety, like we're going through right now, the only thing that we can control is ourselves. The only thing that we can build trust in with certainty is ourselves. And I say that because this episode came from me realizing one of the most powerful things that has happened over the past two or more years, because this has been a lifetime of work going into this, is I've learned to trust myself. And wow, is that a powerful place to stand? Because it means that whatever happens in the world around me, whether it's in my relationships in my life, whether it's with my work, or it's something like 
a war in Ukraine, or a pandemic, I know that I can trust myself to navigate it. External circumstances that I can't control aren't as scary as they used to be because I have done the work to build trust in myself, to take time to see that I have all of the answers that I need within myself. So what happens when we trust ourselves and when we can trust other people? Well, first of all, our frontal cortex comes back online. So when we're operating in fear, that very important part of our brain that controls strategic thinking, the ability to be creative, and actually the ability to be joyful and compassionate shuts down. So when we're in fear, we lose a lot, a lot, a lot. We lose the ability to really deal with fear, actually, but then also to do something better with crazy circumstances like we're encountering. Because what we really need is the ability to just listen to people we disagree with and then maybe engage with them. But we can't even listen at this point. We shut each other down. We go into our echo chambers. We throw stones at each other or worse. But when we're in that state of being able to think strategically and calmly, we're able to build communities and cultures that can hold everyone, that can hold diversity, that can create psychological safety for ourselves so we can create it for others to then solve tricky issues together because you need many perspectives to build really robust answers to some of the things that we're facing. Like, what do we do next if our institutions of democracy have eroded to the point we can't trust them? Actually, there are really good reasons not to trust in democracy. I'm not saying trust and distrust doesn't come from someplace rational. But we need the ability to create solutions together if they're actually going to work for the future and work for not just people like us. So we need that capacity to be creative, to innovate, to be open and fearless, brave. So let's step away from fear and investigate how we can trust ourselves. So I'm going to give you a little micro practice that has actually been part of my practice that has gotten me to a place where I trust myself and I am able to be the most creative I've ever been, the most confident I've ever been, and hopefully the most impactful I've ever been in helping to work with other people to create solutions in a society that is filled with joy and innovation and the ability to survive whatever is thrown at us collectively. So settle in. Whether you're driving, whether you're in your office chair, whether you're walking along, you can settle in. Take three big breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth and just become very conscious of where your feet are right now. And now become conscious of what's going on in the area around your belly. And if you don't even have the first clue of how that actually feels there, put your hand on your belly and simply feel the air moving in and out under your hand. Become aware of this space that's referred to as our second brain. You hear terms like gut instinct, and it's because we know things here. Just take time to get in contact with your body, with your instincts. Spend a few breaths there, just noticing. What do you feel in that space? Do you feel any anxiety or tension? Do you feel any excitement, full of life? This is a space to go back to over and over again, creating a little moment of time and space where you listen to your gut, you listen to yourself. And now let your attention go to 
some other part of your body, maybe your chest. Is it tight? Is it open? Do you feel like you're able to connect with others with an open heart? Or is there something that makes you want to close off and protect yourself? Just observe it. Just notice it. And then going up to the space between your eyes or your forehead, how are you feeling mentally right now? Is there any anxiety? Is there any bumpiness there like a roller coaster? Or is it pretty smooth sailing? And again, you're just observing, not judging. And when you're ready, either stay there. If you want to pause this, just stay there and pay attention to what's going on. Or keep going with me as I wrap up this solo episode. So that is a practice. That is a little mini consciousness raising practice that you can do anywhere, anytime to just ask yourself what you know, what's going on within yourself, because you know things that your logical brain doesn't pay attention to unless you give it time. You sense things going on around you that maybe you don't take the time regularly to check in with. So by creating this check-in practice and recognizing that there is far more to you than just your brain, you can start to build a practice to which you can bring questions like, what do I really feel? I want to say yes to this thing that someone wants me to do. Maybe it's a social engagement. Maybe it's something at work. Take a moment before you answer to check in with yourself. And notice if the answer you get from your gut or any other place in your body that really feels like, hmm, that's an answer, is not what your head says you should do because that's what you should listen to. Your gut instinct often has your best interest at heart much more than your brain does, much more than your logical mind does. And so for me, and I would propose for pretty much everybody else, building trust, stepping away from fear starts with yourself. It starts with asking yourself what you know, and then honoring that, honoring that answer, honoring when you truly know that you don't actually want to do something, or that you truly do want to do something, and you're going to feel the fear and do it anyway, and that exhilarates you in your chest or wherever, or knowing that something just isn't for you, and something in you just says no, and honoring that is important, because you can trust yourself. And when you spend your life second-guessing your instinct and making yourself do things you don't really want to do, or not really listening to something that tells you that a situation is not safe or just isn't for you, that builds mistrust in yourself. So start to rebuild trust in yourself. Because then you have a place to stand when crazy things happen around you in your life or in the world. If you can trust yourself, if you know where you stand, if you know that any moment you can just ask yourself, what do I need to know here? What do I need to do here? And trust the answer that comes out of yourself because you've trained yourself to listen and you've seen it work enough times that you have a track record. It's going to change the way you operate in the world because things are internal rather than external because your compass comes from you, not from anything that happens around you. So I hope that this has been thought provoking. I hope that it has landed with at least one of you, or maybe this is just an episode I'm doing for myself. I always do them for myself anyway, by the way, top secret there. But I hope that this is a micro practice that can help you to build trust in yourself, that can build you a place, a stable, steady place to stand, because no one can take that away from you. Once you've built it, you've built it, it's yours. 
So let me know how this goes for you. I'd love to know if you'd like me to record some longer guided visualizations or meditations about this, but I'd also love to know if it's helpful for you, if you have your own version of it, if this is something that you do regularly, or if this is something that you are now going to start doing that helps you. But reach out, tell me things. I love to know what lands for you. I love to know who's listening to this. So thank you, as always, for your time. And stay uncomfortable. Thanks for getting uncomfortable with me. If you enjoyed this episode, follow and like The Discomfort Practice wherever you listen to podcasts, leave me a five-star and written review, and share this with other people. Help me to reach new audiences with this idea that consciously practicing discomfort helps us to individually and collectively discover our superpowers and create a society and a planet where everyone can thrive. Thank you so much to my guests all season. Go back and listen to a few more episodes to hear more of them. They are wonderful humans doing amazing things in the world. Thanks to my team who helped me produce this podcast and for those who inspire me through their writing, their conversation, and their support. So that's all from me for now. Follow me on Instagram at the Betsy Reed if you want to get to know me a bit better, some of my thoughts. And in the meantime, stay uncomfortable. <laughs>